0: It's an unfamiliar one. It's not popularly uh, preached on. Uh, So pay attention to what's going on in here. This is from Luke 16. Jesus also said to the disciples, A certain rich man, now we know Luke doesn't like rich men, (laughs) heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. He called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master has firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig, too proud to beg. I know what I'll do, that so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager said to him, take your contract, Sit down quickly and write 450 gallons. Then the manager said to another, How much do you owe? He said, 1,000 bushels of wheat. He said, Take your contract and write 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. Did you get that verse? The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make, your friends, make friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcome into their eternal houses, their homes. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much, and the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Lord bless to us the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Won't you pray with me? God, sometimes your your word is confusing to us. And so we, we need your Holy Spirit to help us understand what it is that you would have us learn. Be with us today and instill your word in our hearts. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Yeah you know, this fall we're we're reading the central chapters of Luke to learn what values Jesus is teaching the church in his teachings and parables. Now it's not often that I come upon a, a gospel scripture anymore that I haven't addressed and like most preachers I've stayed away from this one because it is confusing. <laughs> Apparently even to Luke who gives us three closing instructions and and there's no consistency among the commentators. Uh, We we have a story of a landowner who has fired a manager for mismanagement of this estate, and and seeing his dismal prospects, this manager, while still pretending to be an authorized employee, offered discounts on the tenants' debts if they settled, up to 50%. Some read this to imply that the manager discounted his own commission or gave money from his own earnings to make up for the loss to the owner. Others think he discounted the hefty interest charged by the owner, making the owner appear more acceptable to the debtors and the righteous public. Most think he operated improperly, if not illegally, but may point out that he was in like company with defaulting debtors and an absentee landlord. The story doesn't tell us which, if any of these are true, study it for yourself and in, in, the, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 79 in the New Testament. If you want to look at it again, we could, we could even add other possibilities. We could ask, how close are we to the jubilee year when debts are forgiven? Or, are these old debts with compounded interest and after ten years the debt is worth more than the original value? We could ask if the land has been so wasted that it is no longer producing, or the landowner knows that the tenants won't be able to pay. These answers are also not in the text. So we're still left wondering why the landowner who fired his manager now praises him for collecting discounted debts. And why Jesus would praise him for using wealth to establish relationships. Knowing the manager's motivation to secure his own future, we tend to read the story with Western eyes that suspect individualist greed, dishonesty, even thievery, But that interpretation is also not present in the narrative. And more likely a heading that the Bible translators gave the parable and you'll see in our closing hymn, this this understanding is still very present. The manager is accused of wasting the estate, not stealing it. Because the Gospels are are, are originally written in Greek, when I'm puzzled with the lesson of Jesus, it helps me to look at the Greek of some of the key words used in the parable to get closer to the meaning. Take the word wasted, as the manager wasted the manager's estate, the master's estate. The the original Greek word is diaskorpizo and is translated in other places in the Gospels as scattered. In the Magnificat, for example, Mary says God has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. Jesus tells his disciples that they will be scattered when he is arrested, using this same word. In the parable of the talents, the master is known to collect money where he has not scattered or sown seed. It describes a prodigal son who has squandered his father's wealth, suggesting perhaps that he scattered or spent it frivolously here and there. The manager in this story has apparently used the estate unwisely, perhaps renting it out among numerous farmers over time with inadequate accounting and collection. The feeling I have is unwise management Practices, not thievery or dishonesty. And and the word translated as manager, oikonomos, is also frequently translated as steward. Paul describes believers as stewards of God's graces. You and I. Peter uses the word to instruct believers in First Peter ten a uh, four ten to care for each other according to the gifts God has given each one as good managers or stewards of God's diverse gifts. Lastly, the word "phronimos" describes the character of the manager and often translated as shrewd, or in the translation we read this morning, clever. For some of us, this carries a negative connotation, sometimes implying dishonesty. But in the, same, the same word is translated elsewhere in Matthew and Luke as wise. The word is used to describe one who built the house on the rock, for example. And the bridesmaids who brought enough lamp uh, uh, lamp oil to the wedding feast. Is this manager more wise than shrewd? Is it more accurately descri- uh, translated as sagacious, a word we don't often use, meaning prudent, practical, or far-sighted? Because prudence is one of the four cardinal virtues coming from the ancient Greeks, Plato and Aristotle. I, I've chosen prudence as a value among others required to sustain the church. I think we can wrestle with and and learn as a church from this even most unpopular parable to be prudent in our stewardship of God's gifts. So, what happened in the story is the manager took a difficult situation and solved it to everyone's satisfaction, including himself, the landowner, and the debtors who paid up. I, I consider this to be remarkable. He valued the relations between the three parties more than the monetary value of the exchange and adjusted somehow the calculated wealth to restore these relationships. He did so in a way that didn't discount the value of the wealth to the point that it made it unwise, unsatisfactory, or unsustainable. How he did that, we're not told. I've wrestled with and studied this enough to say with satisfaction to myself that it it really doesn't matter how he solved his conundrum. We only know that the owner commended him. The debtors were quick to respond and he is left in good graces with both parties in a way that lets them work together again. Is this what Jesus wants us to learn? The parable before this one is the return of the prodigal son. Again, coming home and being reunited with his father is more valuable than the wealth that he scattered. The parable after this we will discuss next week of a rich man who thinks his wealth is more important than his neighbor relations. Jesus is telling us, I believe, that we need to prudently use the gifts God has given each of us, whether it is our wealth, our talent, or our time to reunite and unite people in relationship with each other and with God. I'm sure this is why my mother spent, and she's probably listening to this now, $5.80 and a trip to the post office to send a package to me that I could have purchased for $2.50. (laughs) she loves me it wants this relationship to, 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 to blossom relationships of faith, hope and love are our priority we have challenges as a church that call for prudence we have as many people joining us online as we do in our Saturday worship service How can we expand the opportunities of prayer, presence, give service and witness so they are an active part of our church? How do we let people know that we are an open and affirming church to all God's people without telling some they aren't welcome or making them feel unwelcome? Let me share with you a, a concern I've wrestled with this week. We decided that our food ministry in Wednesday Night Live is an important dimension of our church's witness and growth of discipleship, that is, relationships with God, each other, and the world. If Wednesday Night Live ever becomes less than that, we should not spend our resources on it. But this is something that we have decided to invest in this year. Investing in the program and the food. This week we had 45 children and adults singing God's praises in choirs, preparing to lead us in worship on a Wednesday night. We had 21 adults studying the Bible. We had 80 people feasting together in Christian fellowship. If you weren't there, you missed something, including several non-members and first-time visitors. We almost decided not to continue this program because we lost $30,000 last year on food ministries. We thought that was unwise. But with this re investment. We think this could be an important part of our discipleship ministry, and we will evaluate it at the end of December to see if we should continue, if it is prudent to continue it into the new year. To do this, we're charging adults $10 in order to sustain the program. That's more than last year. But compare that to our bill at Big Easy Coffee Shop in Egg Harbor on Friday, where I wrote this sermon. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at the receipt, JR and I paid $11.57 for what? Two coffees and a scone. (laughs) And tax and tip. And because I spent three hours at the table I left another tip when I left. So $16 for two coffees and a scone and a place at the table. Yet, I know that not everyone has the same ability to pay $10 $10 for a meal, even if it does have dessert. And How many of you pay extra for dessert? Come on. God did not give the same talents to every believer. Not everyone has paid the salary of a senior pastor. And while it may be easy for some to put out $10, for others it may be a sacrifice. Yet, if we want everyone to be welcome here, if we consider this program important in fulfilling our mission to establish healthy relationships among old and new disciples of Jesus Christ, but if some people are kept away because of the $10, prudent foresight may call us to find additional ways to fund this important program. We could encourage paying it forward as as J.R. finds some people do at Starbucks. Or we or we could put out a tip jar for scholarships. Yeah, that's one thing you don't usually do at a Wednesday night here at church is give a tip. But we could, couldn't we? With 20%, right? <laughs> if you feel inspired this morning to 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 think about how we can how we can Well, if you know an individual that, that likes to come to Wednesday night, and for whom it is a, more of a sacrifice than it is for me, has difficulty paying, well, consider bringing with you on Wednesday a tip, or use an envelope in the pew and make an additional gift. Prudence. The point of this lesson for me is this. The church must be prudent in carrying out our mission to grow disciples who love God, care for each other, and serve in the world. Or we risk losing the very ability to be who we've been called to be yeah, the same is true for every individual or family, organization or business. Jesus says if we are prudent in, in stewarding little, we will be given responsibility for more. Is that a vision of our church? If we are prudent in managing the church we have, we may, be, we may want to be ready for God to send us an increase. Are you ready? This is my prayer for the church. Amen.